0: This episode of Pop Punk and Pizza is sponsored by the band Weatherworn and their single You Had Me At Hello, which is now available on all streaming platforms. A clip of Weatherworn's song, You Had Me at Hello. You'll hear the song in full at the end of this episode. I'm going-
1: To pop Punkin' pizza with Jacques Lamour.
0: Hey, good morning, or maybe it's afternoon or evening for you right now. Regardless of the time, thank you for uh, choosing to listen to this episode today. And if this is your first time listening to Pop Punk and Pizza, you picked a great one to start with. My guest today is Leonor, uh, or take a till who is the tenor saxophone player of ska-punk legend's Five Iron Frenzy. So we discuss the band's new album Until This Shakes Apart and several other things, like Raising Baby Chicks, for example. And we talk about uh, our love for the TV show Shits Creek a little bit. There's a lot of serious topics we touch on, but there's a lot of fun ones as well. So let's give it a listen. Leonor Ortega Till of Five Iron Frenzy. It's great to talk to you, of course. Thank you so much uh, for, you know, for for making time for this today. Um, I, one of the, people always think of, when they think of bands they listen to or their favorite bands, they think, usually think of the, like, the lead vocalist of the band. And in Five Iron Frenzy's case, that would be Reese. But I don't think of him. I always think of you. (laughs) So, that is kind
2: of interesting. I Do you think it probably has something to do with not so many women in the scene back in the day?
0: It could be or it could just be because I, I, I think it has to do with that. And maybe just from like, I think when I first got to know more about you was like the first time you were on My Herrera's podcast. Mm hmm. And I think that's when I was like, oh, okay. So like, I just kind of like attached to you thinking like, oh yeah, five iron frenzy. Cause I didn't really know much about any of the other members. So I think that could have something to do with it too.
2: Yeah. So each of us in our band too, we have different jobs, basically like things that we take over. And one of my main things is, uh, back in the day was answering band mail. Do you remember back in the day, did you ever write any fan mail to any bands, like actual snail mail?
0: I... I I know I probably did the Green Day, you know.
1: There back you go. In the day. <laughs>
0: Um, and I know I wrote, I tried to write letters to, uh, my favorite actor as a kid, mm-hmm. which was Mickey Rooney. I oh, tried, nice. to, I, <laughs> I tried to write him letters too, but they kept getting sent back cause it was never oh, no. like the right address, you know? So yeah. So yes, that's I do funny. remember that.
2: Well, one of my jobs in the band was to answer the PO box mail. And back then that's before internet, you know, that's 95 till 2003 when we broke up the first time. And, um, yeah. So I was, a lot of people knew who I was because I started, you know, starting answering mail to them through the PO box. And then when we'd play concerts, I'd always be at the merch table and looking for people and getting to know people and kind of just, I'm basically probably the main extrovert in the band. So, and interviews are very fun, although everybody does different interviews
1: too.
0: True. Yeah. I was going to say, cause I, I just saw, um, I can't remember which media outlet it was, but I saw some posted with, I think it was Reese and, um, I can't remember who else, but I think it was Scott, think,
2: Reese and Scott.
0: Maybe that's who it was. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. it was Scott as well, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, you gotta, there, there's a, there's a big ska band. You got to move them around. You know? <laughs> there's
2: eight of us. Can you imagine?
0: <laughs> it's insane. It's I, every time I, I just think of the, all the different memes you see on, uh, online of like, uh, like a ska um, tour, tour van, you know, like it's like extra, extra long. (laughs)
2: Well, do you know what we used to have? We bought a school bus.
0: Did you really?
2: We did. And we bought that primarily when we went on the warp tour, because a lot of bands had money or labels back then that had more money. And so what they were doing was they had a driver and they would sleep all night. Basically the way the rotation works for warp tours, you drive all night and then wake up and play a show. Yeah. And we didn't really have that luxury. So we thought, okay, if we buy a, a school bus, and Keith, who was our bass player at the time, said, I will do every drive at night, but I will sleep all day. I'm not gonna go to any shows. And <laughs> so that that's kind of a major sacrifice on his part because there were a lot of cool bands playing. But yeah, you sleep all night, wake up in the next city.
0: So he was your driver for mm-hmm, our bass when player you, when you're on Vans, Vans Warp Tour.
2: Yeah, and then other times other people drove like Micah. Okay. One time he was driving and he hit an owl while he was driving. Yes, and glass, it was in the windshield, and glass got embedded in his arms. Like, it was insane. It was pretty scary.
0: Wait, and Micah's arms or the bird's arms? Micah's
2: (laughs) arms. The bird died. It, like, bounced really loud. Like, we all heard it. It bounced hard off of the windshield in the middle of the night.
0: It was just like, (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) pull over the school bus how hard is it going to be to get a new windshield in the middle of the night in the middle of the country you know
0: especially for a bus for crying out loud not a you know not a just a regular car windshield that might be laying around this is for a bus for crying out loud
2: we had eight captain's chairs eight bunks and of course reese roper had in his bunk he had a cello that he rarely played, but was practicing on. He had a <laughs> longboard. He had a full-sized Darth Maul mask and a full-sized fan. <laughs> and of course, he had so. And he had a baby Ernie doll. I mean,
0: <laughs> Wait, I a did baby a, Ernie doll. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Little wow. stuffed animal,
2: baby I, Ernie.
0: I love the the Darth <laughs> the Darth Maul mask. did he ever put that on uh, wear that on stage probably not because it was so so hot I'm sure
2: he didn't wear that I think he coveted it I think it was meaningful for him I don't know
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe it was must have been part of his bedroom at home so he brought it on the road to make him feel more at home
2: (laughs) I have to tell you even sadder story we lived in a band house and Reese's bedroom at home was the hallway next to the laundry room (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Man, that is that is pretty rough. sad. It's no, who who yeah, who would want to have the bedroom next to the he must have pulled the <laughs> the he must have pulled the the short straw or something. Right,
1: for, right.
0: <laughs>
2: I, I pulled the big straw because I had my own bedroom, of course, well, upstairs all so, to myself. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty spoiled. It's like you walked through like a, a bachelor pad and then you opened my bedroom door and it's like, oh beauty, plants, candles. <laughs>
0: So, so yeah, it was almost like you were raised by boys, you know, in your younger years.
2: I don't know. It was, I think that they taught me a lot. Like if it was just any boys, I think it could have been a, not a fun experience, but because they're such kind, interesting, fun, um, let's just put it this way. They're not weird around girls. So Mm -hmm. they just felt like my best friends, you know, in any other way, some of them are like more brothers. Some are more like, um, Some are more like siblings, some are more like best friends, some are more like girlfriends,
1: (laughs) like they're all different,
2: like, you know how it is with personalities and yes, you know, it's it's hard to explain but more than anything I guess in some weird ways it's like siblings.
0: Okay. That, no, that makes sense. I'm, especially mm-hmm. since you've been a band for what, 20, well, not consecutive, but right. in general, it's been 25 some years at this mm-hmm. point, right?
1: Well,
2: I was 18 when I joined the band and I'm 44 now. And so right. like all of our kids and our spouses are friends too. You very much feel like an aunt and an uncle to all the kids and you're just a big family. And that means that there's fights, <laughs> but that also means that there's holidays and there's also means that there's you know, you know, forgive me for this and I miss you and I love you. And right now I just need space from you. And (laughs) you know how it is.
0: So what's something like, if, if you don't mind, um, what's one of the, can you remember one of those fights you had that was so silly, but at the time it was like, it wasn't like, but.
2: Mm. Yeah. Do you you get what I'm saying? Sure. Um, I mean, some of the sillier fights for me, I didn't bring up at the time. And then later they would come up. I think that I was very insecure about not being a good saxophone player. And so I think in the in the beginning, the band knew I wasn't a good saxophone player, but I was fun on stage and I could learn the songs. But one of the things is we made a mission statement when we first started as a band. And on there was we needed to have musical integrity. So I, I don't know if they were nervous or how they went about talking about it. But one of the things that came up right away is, you know, Jeff and that was my nickname back then, Jeff the girl. Right. The band is going to pay for you to have some saxophone lessons. <laughs> and I I really wasn't offended because I know I needed them. I yeah. really did. But yeah. you know there's got to be some of those those feelings as far as how do we say this, you know, how do mm-hmm. we not, you know, piss her off or hurt her feelings, but this needs to happen. And so, yeah, sometimes I'd get my feelings hurt when I wouldn't be chosen for a solo or something like this, but I had to have humility. I wasn't the best player and I've gotten better, but I think I'm glad that they were honest with me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So so you actually took lessons?
2: Just for a little while. And then I mm-hmm. didn't need them because the way we kind of worked is Dennis would write a lot of the horn parts and he wrote them such that every time he wrote them, they'd be harder and harder. But we had a lot of sectionals where it was just horns and he, you know, we really worked on perfection and he would help me. So even though he would write parts in the beginning that I was like, I don't think I can pull it off. Just being in the band for that long, you had to pull it off. So I didn't <laughs> need lessons. I just needed practice.
0: Yeah. And then I mean, once the, the show started picking up, then you were, you were getting practice every night. <laughs> and well,
2: that's, ma- that's one of the most amazing things. When you think about the years that we played, we toured consecutively all the time. The songs could be so tight. And now in the past few years, we've been doing flyouts. Yes. And it's fun to do, but you don't get the songs to the caliber that you did when you were on tour where you know what song's next without even thinking about it. So I do miss that ability to really hone in as a band.
0: Because are, are you all still in the Denver area or are you all spread out all over the country at this point?
2: Five of us are in Denver. Um, our lead singer, Reese Roper, he's in Virginia. Okay. And that's where his family is. And Uh, Dennis Culp, he and his wife live in New Jersey, and he works in New York. So um, he's over there. And then Sonny, he's from Southern California, and he moved to Denver for a bit when he first joined the band, but now he's back in Southern California. So the five people that live here, we can practice and we do. and then we try to practice during check whenever we get together for shows, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's hit or miss, but it's going to be interesting when we do get to play live again. And when we get to play this new album until this shakes apart, we haven't played any of those songs live yet.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully it doesn't shake apart and it shakes together. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so exciting. It's going to be, So exciting to practice those songs. That gives us life, playing new songs together.
0: Because I'm sure you haven't, uh, besides the whole recording process, you probably haven't rehearsed them together, I'm guessing, right?
2: Well, yeah, and even recording, you don't play as a band. You go in and you write in the studio a little bit. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. they haven't been even played as a band.
0: Yeah, that's going to be wild. And it'll be great for the fans, too, because by that time, whenever the heck that is, Mm -hmm. they will have listen to the new album, you know, hopefully a billion times by that point. You
2: know? <laughs> Honestly, if I can be honest, this album has had such a fascinating, um, I don't know, just a fascinating experience on everybody because it, one, it took us so long to put it out. And so the anticipation was great, but also I get the vibe that people aren't just listening to it once, like they're listening to it and enjoying it. And then they're listening to it. To be like, did he really say that? And then they're listening to it to be like, oh, I really enjoy this. And I'm getting so much feedback from people that um, have said that they've been listening to it a lot. So I think you're right. I think that this is one of those albums that has a lot of layers to it. And people aren't just giving it a fun little listen. It's more than that.
0: It Well, it's. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I feel like it, it's not a typical... Five Iron Frenzy album, it's not just a, oh, this is a fun listen, um, kind of album. Um, like you said, there's many, many layers to it, uh, going from the lyrics to the actual music itself. I feel like there's so much going on just even from just listening. If you just single out, even just like the guitar, I feel Mm -hmm. like there's a lot more guitar work than I've ever heard before. Um, especially with, uh, the previous album, uh, released seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just even a lot more just going on with a guitar, let alone every, every other instrument, you know, uh, I agree. When, you, yeah. when you put it in, um, it has, uh, more of a, a, like a two-tone feel. I, I, that's, that's my take on it. Like a two-tone Scott feel versus like, um, you know, having that, that third wave sound. Yeah, you know. mm-hmm.
2: I kind of call it like, yeah, the fast punk songs. And then there's the more mid tempo um, grooving kind of songs.
1: Yes. I like I,
2: that. I like the changes that it has um, in the styles. The only difference I would say from us and two tone though, and maybe again, this comes back to me not being very good. We don't have a lot of horn solos for a band, you know, there's, there's, I think in this album, there might only be just one trombone solo, but as far as solos, we're not, not a big solo band. Um, we're more of horn lines and I love that. I love being part of just nice, awesome. It reminds me of Motown, just beautiful, little catchy, singable horn lines rather than solos.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. Like you said, grooving that, that mm-hmm. fits it perfectly. Like everyone's just kind of grooving along together. Uh, mm-hmm. and I feel like, uh, that's, that's one of the big differences in this record, um, mm-hmm. is that, that influence of of that groove <laughs> right, in there, right. and uh, it's great. Um, I, I really really enjoy it. So, what what are some of the things you're you're hearing specifically from fans about the album from from good, bad, okay? Like, what what's all of it that you're hearing?
2: Well, for the most part, people are very excited about how it seems to speak to the times. Like, there's a weird thing that happens sometimes people will say these lyrics feel almost prophetic and I think Reese's pulse on lyrics have to do a lot with him possibly living in the south possibly what he um is experiencing where he lives and where he what he sees and what's on his heart and even through you know his relationship with God and and all of that coming together inspires him and You know, it's hard also to fit all those lyrics into a song sonically, you know, there's only so much space in a song. So, you know, there has to be some give and go and some compromise in that. But I think he did a good job. Also, it's interesting when people say this is one of the things that we always hear that makes us crazy is people say, oh, I wish Five Iron wasn't political like they are now. Well, you know, the first song out of our first album is the Old West, where it talks about, you know, an actual lyric, rape and kill and steal. And so... You know, you look at these songs, and you're saying there always was an aspect like this. There always were songs that were about um, about these heavy subjects, but maybe because people are now in their 30s and 40s, those songs feel differently to them than when they were 14, 15, 16. Because the songs like "Sucker Punch" or "Flowery Song" or some of the funnier songs, even like "Kitty Doggy," those were the ones they latched onto as kids, and so maybe they heard those lyrics in songs like "Anthem." or some of the more heavy hitting, like New Hope, but it didn't mean the same as when you're the adult, you're the parent, you're the one voting, you're the one making the choices. The onus is on us to change, not our parents. And so we're not the victims of these societal issues such as teens are and kids are, we are the creators of the society. And so I think it's obnoxious when people say to us, I wish you were just funny again. It's like when I look at rage against the machine and people are like, Oh man, they've gotten political.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. When they, when they put out the the new record, what was that last year or the year before? Yeah. Yeah. It was the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: Oh, we just hear The only negative thing I've been hearing and it's, it's again, worded very strangely is not for me. It's too negative. And I can't help, but think, well, There's some songs in there that are positive also, or funny, but I would say what we're doing now is not so much funny and political. It's more like nostalgic and political. And the nostalgia is actually what makes the political, um, even more balanced because when you're thinking about nostalgia, you want to experience something that was, and that isn't anymore. And so some of those songs that are on the new album, um, like homelessly or like something I missed, this idea that is like, man, those were the good old days. And now it feels like our, like, like some of the blinders have been peeled away, where they not weren't necessarily the good old days. It's just that we didn't think we had to deal with so many issues that are still here. And I'll say that from my point of view. Like when Obama was president, I had some blinders on and I thought we were on a certain trajectory and we're going a certain way and things were good. And then the last four years, it's like, holy crap, I had blinders on. What is the reality of what we're experiencing that maybe I'm not experiencing, but other people are? And and as a society, as the United States, I think our blinders are off in a lot of ways where it's like, let's not pretend anymore that we can't see now. we We have to be honest about what we see and experience. So yeah, it's an interesting season for all of this.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's, And I imagine that th- this has been, this album was kind of, was it written over the last seven years or was this more of like in the last year or two or?
2: I I know the music has been written off and on for the last seven years. As far as the lyrics, uh, Reese shared a lot of the lyrics with me about a year ago. So yeah, okay. it's probably been for him a couple of years on the okay. lyrics. I was going to say. By the, by the time he showed me, they were, pretty solid. So he it must be a couple of years, but I'm not actually sure.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, because when, when the record came out and I listened to it all the way through, I thought, wow, this sounds really current. The, the topic, <laughs> right, you know, the, right. the topic, uh, the topics in the, the lyrics that Reese is singing about Well, I was like, wow, you know, but then I thought, well, It's been seven years since they released their last record and they've apparently Mm -hmm. been like kind of slowly working on it this whole time. So I'm like, I don't know if he's actually referencing, you know, what's been going on with America the, the last, you know, four years or better, you know, however however that works in his mind. Right, right. (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah, I don't really know, but I know a lot of these themes, like I was saying, it's been slowly that these themes have been as a society coming up. mm -hmm. And so I think that it's a good timing for them. Plus at the very end, or not even just the very end, but the last half a year, he's gotten to um, edit them. So they get even more and more timely.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, So I what what was the the like the first song written on this um on this album on this new record until this shakes, shakes apart. It doesn't uh,
2: work like that. It's no. so hard to explain. No, because there's so yeah. many songs, because- so many parts, so many revamps. Imagine you're with a band of 8 people and there are files being bounced back and forth now you have to pick from certain files and we kind of made a songwriting community committee of dennis and scott and reese because having eight of us give feedback for dozens of songs was not working and that's partly what had stalled the process is we each have a visceral feeling towards certain songs and there's just too many conversations and you put them in a Dropbox, and you have 30 comments so there's not one song there can be certain parts it's really organic and it's really hard to explain. It would probably <laughs> drive anybody, anybody who's organized, it would drive them nuts.
0: <laughs> so you, you kind of primarily give it to three people, kind of the the job of
2: well, song, the songwriting? End, is yeah, that... we finally had to do that because it was getting nowhere fast. We had been okay. working on it for years. And of course, the only time for face-to-face band meetings is in the green room, having a couple of drinks before you, you go on stage, that's not a great time to open up this can of worms. And of no. course, nowadays we have spouses back there, friends back there. A couple of the guys are getting tattooed. Like you want to hang out with the MXPX guys. This is not a good time for a band meeting.
0: Right. Yeah. There's so, so, so many was, different things going on.
2: I know. And I think that was a good choice to make a songwriting committee. And the three of them could focus us. But even still, we are a democracy in a lot of ways as far as music goes and anybody's allowed to write songs and different people could start a song and it could be like more heavy metal and could be made more ska or it could be more slow tempo and be made fast or, you know, all of us, a lot of us can contribute lyrics, but then they don't get chosen. It's a long organic process. And I'm very honest when I say it would drive most people nuts.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, it's I not can't...
2: easy. It's not straightforward. And sometimes it's definitely not fair. Um, but if I'm very honest, it is. It sounds weird to say it's successful, but it's what works for us. And it's the most respectful thing to do. And we have a saying that is whatever's best for the song. So even if my part, I feel that I care about it, whatever's best for the song is probably what should win, right?
0: Yeah. You're, you, you got to take yourself, you got to take your personal feelings out of the equation, right? That's, I feel like that's what it always comes down to. I, I can't imagine what it's like with eight people because it's hard enough with like, you know, a basic three or four piece band and then you double that and it's like, whoa, <laughs> you know? Right. And Not only that,
2: because a lot of the guys in our band are very um, amazing songwriters and can play other instruments. So not only do they have ideas for their instrument, we have ideas for other people's instruments, you know, Mm -hmm. but it does work at the end of the day, I guess I will say that it's, it's worked. I'm not going to say it's an easy process, but I think it's a worthwhile situation.
1: Uh And
2: so that's why you feel even more proud and even almost more like it's a miracle when an album happens. I will be honest with you. It feels like a miracle. Like, oh my gosh, it it happened. We did it. We got to the same page.
0: You probably slept really well when like the last thing was put together, right? Like that night when you went to, you know, went to bed and you probably, when, when it's in
2: the can with the artwork, with the song, with the lyrics, and there's no more you can do. I think Scott Kerr was probably crying that <laughs> night, like finally, because he was doing a lot of the editing and he could finally put it to bed. Mm-hmm. And we were listening to the mastering and having the conversations even about that, when it's finally done, it's going no more the end. That is a very good feeling.
0: Because all of you at this point, you all have your own jobs and your other mm-hmm. careers. So mm-hmm. you're going through what even, you know, the, the bands that are trying to make a, a name for themselves right now are, are going through on mm-hmm. doing everything themselves. You know, you you work eight hours a day and then you got to work six hours on your music or four hours or whatever it is, you know, staying up late. and. Mm. Getting, yep. you know, trying to piece all those <laughs> different parts together. Um, but but I guess what I was asking, if there was like a certain song that was r- written first that kind of laid the foundation.
2: I would say "Wild Supplies Last. It was the first one we released um, on Scoggins Racism. And that was a uh, compilation. When we released it, it wasn't 110% done, not even 100% done, because later we recorded some more horns on it. And that's the one that made it on the final album version. So whoever got the Scott Against Racism download or vinyl, they got a uh, a version that doesn't even exist on our album, which is pretty cool. I was going to say,
0: that's awesome.
2: Yeah, but that version, that song we felt very excited about the lyrics. We felt excited about the recording. We had so much fun recording background shouts. A bunch of (laughs) us went to Scott's house and just laid down um, some background vocals and shouts. So yeah, that one I think felt like the first out of the can song. Uh, So We Sing was the first one we put out there for the Kickstarter, but I feel like While Supplies Last had the, the lyrics that were going to kind of set the tone for the album. So that was the one where I was like, oh my gosh, this is like 110. Here we go. And, uh, yeah, I felt really excited when that song came out and people got to hear it.
0: Even just the title of the song, yeah. just to me, it fits so well with 2020 and right? this, and this <laughs> you know, this uh, 2021 that we're going into, it's just like, man, like that just, that just summarizes yeah. Everything's we're everything's Americans so well.
2: since when do we care about supplies? Right? <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. And then toilet paper happened. Oh or my gosh, didn't my happen. daughter,
2: my daughter was hoarding the good stuff because we had gotten bad stuff after a while. And i started finding rolls in her bedroom like this is not okay. You're <laughs> you're hiding out with that shortage, dude.
0: You gotta <laughs> got share, you know? <laughs> oh man. The yeah, the, the crazy part is it's for like The worst part was for the people that just needed just like a little bit of toilet paper. Not even the people that have like big families or big households. Like they couldn't even get toilet paper. Like that was that was (laughs) the crazy. Like still to this day, when I go grocery shopping,
2: (laughs) admit it. What's up?
0: (laughs) I can't. Well, I'm. What I'm just gonna say. I can't find disinfectant wipes. Right. I still have to order those online Mm -hmm. in order to actually get some in Mm -hmm. my hands. Right. That's nuts.
2: One of the Christmas presents we got from my daughter was rubbing alcohol because she makes soap. She likes to make soap and that's one of the ingredients, but you can't find rubbing alcohol. So when you get it, it's like, this is a big deal. Are we going to wrap the rubbing alcohol as a Christmas present? (laughs) Like Things have changed, right?
0: They really have. I'm starting to like those stories of my, that my grandparents would tell me about living during the depression, about how Mm -hmm. certain things were very rare or very Mm -hmm. hard to find. Like those stories are resurfacing in my brain.
1: Well, and I'm a
2: gardener and I couldn't find seeds. I couldn't find seeds because all of a sudden everybody decided they're gardeners too. And so getting seeds was really hard.
0: I've, I've read recently from a, a farmer uh, locally here in my area in Illinois that this coming season it it's gonna be hard to to oh, find great. seeds once again. <laughs> oh well <laughs> and yeah. I you know and and there they were a, a vegetable farmer that was talking mm-hmm. about this so and they were like, Well, I'm glad that I already bought seed, you know, for because right, right. they grow a ton of ton of vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um but uh but yeah, I mean it, it, it is That is a good thing, though, that people kind of got back to growing their own food right. kind of thing. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Leonore of Five Iron Frenzy so far. Our episode today is being sponsored by a really awesome pop punk indie rock band called Weatherworn out of Virginia. They remind me a lot of... Something corporate and Jack's mannequin, and I, th- I think you're absolutely going to love them. If you haven't checked them out already, you're going to hear the song "You Had Me at Hello" in full at the end of this episode. The song is available now on all streaming platforms, and you can also follow the band on Facebook and Instagram at Weatherworn V A, and on Twitter at Weatherworn Band. Now let's get back to Leonor Ortega Till of Five Iron Frenzy.
2: And I'll tell you, Jacques, we have something new coming to us in a couple of weeks. You want to hear?
0: I do want to hear.
2: Our four baby chicks. What? You yes, got chicks? We're going to. They're coming. So they're probably not even born yet. There's a... There's a um, place that we're going to go that's local and they get them sourced at a certain day. And so the lines will be long and everybody will be waiting, but we have our coop and we're good to go. We're excited.
0: That's awesome. So it's do time you ha- to start something new. I was going to say, do you have chickens now? No, no,
2: this will okay. be new. I, my parents tried a couple of times, um, when I was growing up as a kid and then my mom would sometimes raise babies until, uh, laying age and then she'd give them away to farmers but um that's just because she was addicted to buying baby chicks and she shouldn't do it because she's not supposed to have anywhere she lives but she couldn't stop it and I was like mom that's a weird habit but anyway uh, now we're gonna get our chicks so yeah very, very that's cool
0: mm-hmm. so it'll be like uh reliving your childhood a little bit there
2: I've got to be the mom in this this is gonna be scary
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I've I've heard it's easy. But I feel like the people who say that are, they're just good at it. And so sure it's easy yep. for them. Agree. You know what I mean? Like right. they make it sound like it's no big deal. Like, Oh, they pretty much mm-hmm. just take care of themselves. And yeah, that's
2: what everyone says. And I don't believe
0: it at all. <laughs> I don't either. Like <laughs> no. I was, I was watching, I was watching this YouTube video. Um, my, one of the, the YouTube Channels that my son watches, um, this guy, him and his son are always doing videos together and they've got a, they've got chickens, you know, in their backyard. And there was one video where they were cleaning out the chicken coop. Right. And he was just making it sound so easy. He's like, yeah, I do this. Uh, I don't know, maybe three times a year and, Mm. you know, and it just made it Mm. just the way he showed, you know, showed how to clean out the coop and just, it just made it sound so easy. It's like, they just, yeah, kinda, I'm not
2: convinced at all. No, no it's going to be hard. I'm, I'm embracing myself, but it will be worth it. I think if anything, because, you know, we're doing homeschool this year, I have a 14 year old and a 13 year old, and you know, this is something we can do as a family, something mm-hmm. we can learn.
0: That's cool. So are you like in the process of learning or relearning the, the live, the life of a a chick or a chicken and and how <laughs> And how they work and like the anatomy and. I've
2: left it to my 13 year old. She's like really fascinated. She's learned a lot, a lot, a lot. I've learned a little bit, but also we live in the same town with my sister-in-law, brother-in-law. They have chickens. So they're, you know, like half a mile down the road. So I have reinforcements and my mom, we have a lot of reinforcements. I think I'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just wasn't sure
0: if you're like diving into a bunch of, you know, trying to, because I was curious, like, when do they start? laying eggs like how old are they
2: i can't remember but they call it pullets i think and it i think i want to say it takes like seven weeks okay takes a while Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that does take a while now i'm gonna be looking up stuff about (laughs) chicks or i'm gonna be asking or i'm gonna be asking my dad because he had chicks when he was a kid because he grew up on a farm Mm -hmm. so and uh his, his grandmother was obsessed with chickens. Kind of like you're talking about your mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, it all, uh, it all makes sense. Um, But uh, I, I guess it's funny. Maybe we should get back to what we were talking about earlier. And um, we didn't dive into, you know, like being a woman in a, in a highly vast, uh, you know, male dominated Mm -hmm. um, scene, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, what was that like? So what, what, what has your experience been like?
2: Well, I think in some ways it's been inconvenient and that sounds weird, but the logistical side is it's inconvenient at times to get your own hotel room, or I would sometimes share with my cousin, Micah, or to find your own dressing room space or to have to change backstage or just, As far as logistics go, there is a a small amount of inconvenience, but from a social point of view, I think it was really fun and really good to be in that scene because I think it reminds other girls that it's possible and that it's an option. I think for a lot of girls, we don't get into music as much when we're younger because we don't want to look like idiots and you have to be bad when you're playing the drums, when you're playing the guitar, when you're playing something. And those are the years, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade for girls where we are really practicing relationships more than anything. How to be friends with other girls, how to be friends with guys, how to be romantic. We are caring more about relationships than anything. So we're not alone in our room for hours learning how to play an instrument. And so that's something that I think that may be a reason that a lot of girls don't think to themselves, I would want to do this. Also, just the scene makes it kind of difficult where, you know, they're going to ask another guy because logistically it's easy. We're all going to live in the van. We're all going to share a hotel room. We're just dudes. When you add a woman or a girl, depending on what age, it's like you have to consider that. That makes a different dynamic. And sometimes it may add a different expense. Or even just relationship weirdness when you talk about crushes or crushes <laughs> on the road—that happens, you know. Like there's always that weird merch guy in the other band, or the weird sound guy, or the weird—I've had the weird everything, you know—the weird everything that always gets right. the crush. I
0: can't—I can't believe that.
2: <laughs> oh that yeah, happened? oh yeah. No Do way. you want know to hear the best? Is when we had this one uh, sound guy, and every time on the tour to to practice and get the uh, the speakers going he would put on that Nickelback song this is how you remind me <laughs> you know that song
1: yes yes
2: and he would glare at me like with intensity
0: oh my gosh <laughs> like, like,
2: like this is from me to you
0: oh <laughs> uh, see that's when Nickelback was cool and you <laughs> never, know never. no ne- Nickelback was never I not feel like to me I'm well probably not to you no. I never thought it was cool but like maybe it's just because You know, I was, maybe it's because I was younger when that song came out.
2: You're probably Um, younger than me, but.
0: I am. Honestly, it's one of those
2: things where, yeah, just kind of missing the mark a little bit. So I think (laughs) being the only woman in the band, the only times it was really intimidating is, it can be intimidating when you're playing, like, for instance, on Sky Against Racism, there was like, 36, I think, musicians, and I was the only female, and I shouldn't feel intimidated, um, but I felt intimidated for two reasons. One, because I was probably not one of the best horn players, and there was amazing horn players, and two, because I am the was the only female on stage, and so sometimes it can be a little intimidating, but it does provide for um, when there are other women on tour or other women around, you do bond more. Like, I've made some of the best of friends with other women on tour because they're there, you know? Why not?
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. especially if there are, you know, maybe just a handful of right. you That's on that tour. That's usually the case. That's I definitely was... the case. Right. Most times it is. And it seems like mm-hmm. if th- maybe there's uh, one other girl and in, in one other band or maybe it's a, a tour manager, right? Or mm-hmm. tech or merch, right. you know. Mm-hmm. We had a,
2: we had a a woman tour manager once, and that was really fun to get to know her and have her tour with us. That was really neat.
0: You got to get those boys in line. Come on. (laughs) Snap, snap.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get, it doesn't matter if it's a guy or girl, it's hard to get us in line. I mean, there's eight of us again. We kind of talked about that. It's so hard. So much of my life was dictated about. Are we all going to go to Denny's? Because that is very invasive to any restaurant. You're talking all of us and our friends. Are we all going to walk into this restaurant? Are we all going to walk into that gas station? Are we all going to walk in? You know, there's too many.
0: (laughs) Did you ever like split it up? Be like, okay, half of us are going to go here and the other half are going to go here.
2: Honestly, one of the coolest things we did to split it up is when we went to Europe. And we split up one time. We went to Europe two times. And one time we split up and it was Reese and Andy and Brad. And they became team one because I think they went to different Eastern European countries. And then Dennis and Keith and myself and Micah went to Paris and London and Italy. So, yeah, we split up and had very different experiences depending on where we went.
0: Huh. That's interesting.
2: It was very fun and very neat.
0: Yeah, that would be. So I guess there is at least that one time.
2: Well, there's other times too. We do split up, but but honestly like that was one that was like starkingly different. Like you guys did what? Where did you go? You guys did what?
1: Like <laughs> very
0: different. Um so it, what's are what are the things now that people in the scene can do to make a better environment for for women or for I mean, any gender, I guess, but specifically women since, you know, coming from your experience, like what are some things that still need to improve, I guess?
2: I think one thing that has improved has been um, an open-mindedness from the side of women and from the side of men. Because, for instance, the past few years, Colorado has a lot of different local festivals. And it is very rare to see a local Colorado band without a woman in it. And by that, I mean, not even just lead singers. We have cellists, drummers, guitarists, bass players. A lot of bands in Colorado have women. And so I think that it's, um, if anything, just making it less of a big deal, less of an issue. Um, But also, I think that part of it is just the arts, um, as far as being a parent and encouraging our sons and daughters musically, um, talking about music and sharing different kinds of music with you know, boys and girls at young ages and sharing fun videos of kids playing different instruments. (laughs) And also a lot of us don't listen to a lot of music with female singers as much as we may listen to songs by male singers. And not everybody's going to like every style. To be honest, I tried to play Bjork for my daughter. She hates it. She hates (laughs) Bjork. If you want to make her angry, put on Bjork. She starts getting really upset.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It is really really
2: like, it just grates on her. Um, Um,
0: Well, okay. So if you put on, then how does she react to your singing? Like if you put on like, the fast feeling like how she does likes
2: she- it, but they also make fun of it because it's me. <laughs> Have you ever watched Schitt's
0: Creek? Oh, yes. I just finished okay. the last season
2: in my family. And I hate to admit this. I am Moira.
0: Really? And that is I never would have guessed.
2: While well, I watch my own interviews. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably watch this at some point and I'll be in my room watching it. And they'll come in and be like, oh, Moira Roy is watching your trailer again, watching your interview, listening to your album, wearing your shirt.
0: <laughs> don't I sound so good?
2: I don't mean to be this way, but I'm a little obsessed with my own art.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it's better to be... A little over obsessed than to be bummed. bummed and like really hard on yourself. Yeah. yeah.
2: It also helps because I'm not the main songwriter. So if I'm rocking my own album, it's because, hey, there's other people that wrote this too. And it took mm-hmm. all of us. So it's not like I'm just rocking the sax parts. It's like, Oh my gosh, there's so much in this song. I like our band. I'm a fan.
0: <laughs> I, so, so like when, uh, you know, when, uh, like you finish a new five iron record, like, mm-hmm. you know, the most recent one you didn't go, right. uh, Hey, could I get a mix down of just the saxophone? <laughs> and and my, Actually, and my additional vocals. Could I get that? Is that possible? I, you know,
2: to get my own vocals would be amazing. This is the Five Iron album that I have had vocals on so many songs, and you might not even know all the songs, because in some areas, they're just providing texture. So, like, I sing on Tyrannus. I don't know if you can tell that. I sing I, on, can you tell on that one?
0: I, there were some that I could tell.
1: Some um, you can
2: tell, like like something I've missed or old, um, you can tell, but like um, Wildcat, I think I sing on, I sing on Werfano a little bit, Okay. Um, Wild Supplies Last and Tyrannus. So it's kind of crazy that there's female vocals all in there, but they're mixed with the other background vocals, like so slight, Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do. I'm gonna ask Scott. You're right. That's a good idea. I'll ask him for a version of my own vocals, really high, <laughs> so I could just piss off my husband while I listen to it
0: in the car. Uh, do you wear wigs too?
2: <laughs> I don't have to. I have gorgeous hair.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I don't think Moira, Moira didn't need to either, though, right? Yeah, but I, I dye
2: my hair. No, she yeah. doesn't need to. No, but she if doesn't if I need have, to. It was, it was a if style thing. I could thing. have her wardrobe. Moira, that wardrobe? Yeah. Oh man, I would rock it out. I love all that clothes.
0: Well, let's uh, let's contact, uh, you know, Dave. Yeah, and...
2: it's a pretty penny, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. It was interesting. I, have you watched like the little documentary yeah. behind the scenes? Oh yeah. I was watching that just like this last week and it was mm-hmm. really fascinating Um, how like all the pieces that Moira wore were like right. actual big time fashion pieces mm-hmm. that were worth a lot of money.
2: You and would never know. I don't know fashion, so I wouldn't know, but I think I it looks amazing.
0: Either. Right. I mean, I I don't know fashion worth crap, but to, to find out, you know, um, mm-hmm. watching behind the scenes that they actually would search for this stuff from real fashion mm-hmm. designers was really cool. And so. I did
2: not expect the last episode to make me cry like a baby, but it did. did. You, I didn't cry.
0: I didn't oh. cry, um, which I'm kind of surprised I didn't. Um, but uh, maybe <laughs> I it's didn't just cry
2: during Avengers, so it's okay. We're even.
0: <laughs> maybe it's just because I feel like it's so hard to take that family seriously, just oh, okay. because they're, yeah. <laughs> they're...
1: <laughs> yeah yeah okay just
0: because they're you know mm-hmm. the the humor is just so good, and uh, and I I think that's that's why I'm like I would yeah. rather.
2: I'd rather swap out the last episode of lost with Shit's Creek. That would be interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. That would be I didn't interesting. Cry for the
2: last episode of lost. That was such a downer.
0: Now see, that would make more sense. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would cry at that for sure.
1: <laughs> there you
0: but, go. I don't know. To, to, to each of their own. There's some things that I cry at and I'm like, why am I crying? You know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm completely, uh, I'm completely with you on that. Um, so are there any newer ska bands that you're into? And if there are, which ones are the ones that like you support and that you're like cheering for?
2: We Are The Union are a very cool, interesting band band. Um, it's comprised of a lot of people I've gotten to know through the past few years, but they're energetic. Their shows feel like shows from the nineties, like everyone's screaming and moshing and there's the collective energy and a collective angst that I like from their songs. Um, yeah, I think that that's probably the main one right now that I'm really into. I don't listen to a lot of ska, I more listen to punk. But the other thing I will say about ska is in the past couple of years, There were a lot of back in the day ska bands that were getting back into rotation. So we had the opportunity to play again with Mephiscopheles, Mustard Plug. And again, it sounds lame when you ask me, what new bands do you like? And I say all the old bands, but there is something to be said to seeing these guys in their late forties and fifties still playing with good chops and good energy. And so if anything, the excitement for me was to get to see some of these bands, Pilfers. Like, it's amazing that these guys are all back at it again
0: hmm Yeah. And, and of course it was great to see you guys finally get back together too. And mm-hmm. that's been a while though now. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, getting, getting back to it, must've been like, did you still like think what it's been, has it been 10 years, 11 years?
2: I think it was nine years when we got nine back years, together again. Something
0: mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when th- that, you know, that first like reunion, Rumor mill, or not rumor mill, but um, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So, 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 so let's go back to like when that first started to like looking now. Like, did you think it was gonna like look like this? I mean,
2: I am so glad it does. I did not know it would be a big part of my life again. You know, some people think of a band as a hobby, some people think of it as an expensive hobby, some people look at it as a, you know, kind of a job, like a side hustle, a place you might make some more money. Unfortunately for me, I will say this is kind of bad and kind of good. I view it as a lot of my identity. Um, In some ways, I wish I didn't because it can become an idol. It really can. It can become an idol, um, going to shows, getting people caring about you, giving you that attention. My husband says I'm a much better wife and I'm a much better mother when I have my energy going out to shows. You know, you don't get to get down in the dumps. You certainly don't let yourself go. You feel excited, energetic. There's something you care about. Um, but the balance between identity and idol and the place where it fits in my life and a calling, those things are very messy and dissect in so many different ways. And I have to be careful to not say you are nothing without this. You have to get, um, fearful about protecting this. You have to get fearful about making sure your family allows this and will, um, Make space for this in your life. You have to make sure your finances allow for this. If it doesn't bring in money and you only ever break in, break even, or even don't make money and lose money, what does it matter? What are the sacrifices to doing this? And there are extreme sacrifices, especially for some of the other guys in our band that have very, very um, demanding careers. There's only so much space in your mind, in your heart, in your energy. And where do you put your family? Where do you put your band? Where do you put your friendships? And so if these guys weren't my best friends, I don't know if I would have time for so many more best
1: friends,
2: (laughs) you know, and if this wasn't all my travel, I wouldn't have time for more travel. And if this wasn't my big hobby, I wouldn't have time for another big hobby, you know? And so I think for me, it's, it's worth the sacrifice because other people are blessed and other people are ultimately having a better, I would hope, and I do pray, having a better life, having a better social collective, having a better awareness of the plight of some people that are the down and out, um, and having more optimism and hope for a better society and a better change. If those parts weren't part of the puzzle, it would be very hard for me to make the sacrifices to make it happen. So the friendships and the message and the medium, the fact that the music is so freaking good makes it very easy for me to have this be such a part of my life.
0: You are a Moira Rose, aren't you? <laughs>
2: That's good or bad. Stop. See?
0: I'm just teasing you. I'm no, just teasing true. you. No. <laughs> I'm totally teasing you. I, I had to say but, that. But
2: you get it. You get it. Yes. No,
0: I totally get it. I mean, you nailed she, it. She
2: could have ended up in a motel and she's not, you're not going to get the Moya Rose out of her, right? She thinks she's the bomb.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you are the bomb, though, and you know it.
2: <laughs> I don't know so. about that. I just, I'm really fortunate. I... I chose the right people at the right time and they keep choosing me. And that's, that's a gift. That's a gift. And it's, it's something you can't take for granted and whether this is our last album and whether, or whether we get to make another one, I really hope that we can continue to be best of friends. My my hope is that we can stay friends and stay in each other's lives. The music is awesome, but that is secondary to me, to our friendships.
0: Mm-hmm. But I mean, just think about the last two albums, They've uh, just talking about the, the Kickstarter part of it, mm-hmm. the, the crowdfunding oh, part yeah. of it. I mean, with the 2013 release, you had already set a record. It was what? Oh, it was like yes. two, 207,000, right. I think. Mm-hmm. Um And... I can't remember the backers, three thousand, two thousand backers or something like that. The big then, thing I
2: remember is we reached our goal in an hour. and this time we reached our goal in 31 minutes.
0: Yeah it was nuts. <laughs> I remember watching it. I, I remember yeah. I, I remember watching both of them actually, mm. um, and was just like blown away, but especially blown away by the uh, until the shakes apart campaign. Uh, like very how, strange
2: very strange <laughs> i mean
0: and then like i said yet again you you broke your goal from last time with uh mm-hmm. engine of a million plots like you broke that goal because right. with until the shakes apart the most recent record it was 287 000 around there and like over five thousand backers it's just like yeah. Like
2: Dude, I have a bedroom right now filled with t shirts and every day I'm doing about eighty shirts I'm packing. They're getting there. (laughs) People chill. They're getting there. So
0: so (laughs) uh you'll be done by the time you're fifty you know,
1: yeah, that's the goal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because there's probably, there's just so many, yeah. um, that, and that's incredible. So, so when's the masterclass on how to yeah. properly do a Kickstarter? I've like, had
2: so many interviews about that and it's been <laughs> awesome. Like we've learned a lot of things, some good and some bad. There's, I mean, there's probably like the 10 things you should do and 10 things you should learn from us and don't do because we <laughs> do make mistakes both times,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: you learn, you learn as you go.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's just re- Did you think with, because with this, what's amazing, even more amazing about this, the second Kickstarter campaign is that you did it during the pandemic and you Mm -hmm. still broke your previous record, like Mm -hmm. going, going in, like, how were you feeling about it?
2: I was feeling good because it felt like we needed something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. We needed something to be excited about. And then the first week that it came out, I mean, I've gone through a little bit of a depression lately because I am an extrovert and I do love people and I do love attention as we've gone through. And it's hard. (laughs) It's really hard to to not travel, to not see some of your best friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that week that the album came out. um, Well, first of all, the Kickstarter, when that happened, you just get this boost of this is good. This makes me feel good. This makes me feel loved. This makes me feel part of a collective of something bigger. Um, And then when the album came out, we started getting feedback that's like the highlight since last March, I needed it. We've needed it. We needed to see things in our feed that were not so bummed all the time. It was nice to see people excited and happy. And yeah, it's been really cool too. People aren't just sending me like a one-liner. They're sending me essays about this album and that is, that's new and that's really cool.
0: Yeah. This, this uh, record is, is truly unique. And as you said, when we started, many layers Mm -hmm. to to go through. And I, that obviously shows why you're getting paragraphs from, Mm -hmm. from fans instead of just, Oh, Hey, love the record. yeah (laughs) (laughs) They (laughs) say,
2: this is what I think of the music. This is what I think of the lyrics. And this is what I think of you guys. And it's, (laughs) it's interesting. It's so cool. It's, it's really humbling.
0: Yeah. That's great. I, you guys deserve it. You work, you work your butts off. Um, And that has to be hard to do with everyone living their own lives at this point. So Yeah,
2: it is. It's hard to do. But I think, again, like I said, it's worthwhile.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Leonor, this has been fun. I hope you had fun.
1: <laughs> I did, Jacques. It was a great time. <laughs> Very Good. fun.
0: Uh, and uh, anything else? I mean, before before we we sign off on no
2: just thank you to everybody thank you to everybody who supports us if you're listening to this and you've never heard five iron i guess the new album would be a good place to start because sonically and lyrically has a lot to offer and there's probably going to be something for everybody on there
0: yeah that uh that saxophone playing top notch <laughs> <that tenor>, pre... <laughs> <laughs> it's the best it's the best you've ever done you know oh, so far so. It can only
2: get better <laughs> Thank you, technology.
0: <laughs> yeah, technology pays off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, and um, I uh, I hope you have a great rest of the day.
2: Thank you. You're welcome. See
0: ya. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Now, i'm so grateful to Leonor for spending time with us today on the podcast that was a lot of fun thank you so much for being a guest i hope you had just as much fun as i did Leonor. and i'll be uh, thinking about you and those baby chicks <laughs> i hope that goes well i expect a full report on that so five iron frenzy's new album until this shakes apart is available now on all streaming platforms you can buy physical copies and other merch at five Iron Frenzy.com. I also failed to mention during our chat that she also has a really cool podcast of her own. It's called Too Punk to Be a Hippie. And uh, you can check that out where to, wherever it is that you get podcasts, or you can go to her website, which is the same as uh, the name I just told you, Two Punk to Be a Hippie.com. She was uh, telling me after we were done recording that she has uh, new episodes in the works and uh coming out soon so if that interests you which you should definitely give it a listen i think you would like it um be on the be on the lookout for those new episodes for for leonore's podcast special thanks to mike of earshot media for setting up this interview mike you are the man dude I'm going to have you on the podcast one day, I promise, because I think that would be a lot of fun. This episode of Pop, Punk, and Pizza has been brought to you by the band Weatherworn and their single, You Had Me At Hello, which is available right now wherever you stream music. Listen
1: to for- Drift away
0: with You Had Me At Hello. You can find that song now wherever it is that you stream music. They're currently uh, working on their second full-length album, and I absolutely cannot wait to hear it. You can follow the band on Facebook and Instagram at VA, and Twitter at WeatherwornBand. And if your band business or event would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast, go to poppunkpizzapod.com forward slash sponsor to find out all the details on that. I'm Jacques L'Amour. That closes out this episode. I had a ton of fun spending time with you today, and I hope you know how grateful I am for your support of the podcast. If you want to further support the podcast, be sure to subscribe and give us a positive rating and review wherever it is that you listen to this podcast, especially if it's Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can also catch up on previous episodes, sign up for our mailing list, buy merch, and submit your band's music at poppunkpizzapod.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at poppunkpizzapod. If you've already done all those things, Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, Coming this... I have no idea where that came from. Uh, Coming this Tuesday, February 9th, we're going to be welcoming Tom Higginson of Plain White Teas to Pop Punk and Pizza to talk about uh, the many other musical projects he's involved in. He recently started a solo project called Million Miler, and he also plays drum... Uh, he also plays drums in a punk band called TLB And has a record label called Humans Were Here So we dive into all those things with Tom Higginson On the next episode And of course it's another great time You're going to want to catch it So make sure you subscribe now if you haven't already So remember to keep those thoughts positive Because what we think we become Have a great weekend Hey, hello, it's
1: nice to meet you slice of pizza hey hello it's nice to meet you hey come in and have a slice of pizza